0: Welcome to episode 243 of the Engineering Career Coach podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping engineers and technical professionals with both their personal and professional development. In this episode, I will be talking to Mark Hirschberg. He's a seasoned executive, cybersecurity expert, and author of the book called The Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success No One Taught You. And in this episode, he'll be talking to us about the importance of career planning, networking, communication, leadership and management as an engineer. I'm your host, Jeff Perry, the new host of the Engineering Career Coach podcast. I'm a leadership and career coach that helps engineers and technical professionals realize their true potential. I love helping people make intentional career transitions and optimize their success. Often we work on developing soft skills like leadership and mindset, to unlock their hidden potential and remove often self-imposed roadblocks. I founded More Than Engineering to bring together my love for engineering and technology with my passion for helping people improve and live more fulfilled lives and run a program called the Engineering Career Accelerator. You can find more information at engineeringcareeraccelerator.com. Now, let me tell you a little bit more about our guest for today. Mark Hirschberg is the author of The Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. From tracking criminals and terrorists on the dark web to creating marketplaces and new authentication systems, Mark has spent his career launching and developing new ventures at startups and Fortune 500s and in academia. He helped to start the undergraduate practice opportunities program, dubbed MIT's Career Success Accelerator, where he teaches annually. In MIT, he received a bachelor's degree in physics and in electrical engineering and computer science and a master's in electrical engineering and computer science, focusing on cryptography. At Harvard Business School, Mark helped create a platform used to teach finance at prominent business schools. He also works with many nonprofits, including Techie Youth and Plant a Million Corals. He was one of the top-ranked ballroom dancers in the country and now lives in New York City, where he is known his social gatherings including his annual halloween party as well as his diverse cufflink collection let me bring you into our main segment with a quote that is applicable to today's topic this quote is from carlton fisk it's not what you achieve it's what you overcome that is what defines your career now it's time to jump right into the main segment of our episode. Today's topic is all about career planning and networking with Mark Hirschberg. Mark, we're so grateful to have you. Welcome to the Engineering Career Coach podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here.
0: Mark, before we get started here, you just wrote a book called The Career Toolkit, The Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. What was the inspiration behind writing that book?
1: When I first started hiring. 21 years ago, I would ask engineers a technical question, and I'd get a technical answer. Okay, great. That's what I was looking for. But then I would ask, what makes someone a good teammate? What are the qualities you look for in a leader? And I would get blank stares. And I thought back to my own education, realized no one ever taught this to me. I had to learn it on my own because our engineering disciplines in university and other aspects of our learning, we don't really get into this. We only cover technical skills. I began to look for resources to try and train up my team. There weren't a lot. At the same time, MIT was getting similar feedback that the companies were saying, look, your students are great. They're really smart, good technical skills, but we want to see leadership. We want to see communication skills, teamwork, negotiation skills. They're not learning that. And it's not just MIT students weren't getting it. Universities across the country got this feedback. And so I also got involved in putting together this program at MIT and teaching it there then i've known for years it's not just mit students it's not just college students who need this universally we need these skills and so i wanted to put it out there so it's more accessible to everyone
0: sounds like you kind of packaged it all in the book and can be a great resource for people so you call this the career toolkit so i imagine you help people with career planning so why do you feel like people need a real career plan. And does everyone need one or just some of us? What do you think about that?
1: I think we all need it. I have seen time and again, so many people, engineers and others who wanna to get to that next job or have some dream job down the road and they can't quite get there. In some cases, they don't understand that the skills that got them to where they are, aren't the skills that are gonna get them to the next role. In some cases, they just don't understand what those skills are at this next role. Because if you look at a job description for those senior roles, they don't spell out a lot of the really important skills. They spell out X years of experience and knowledge of this tool, but they don't say, "Also, you understand how to deal with a difficult head of marketing." We're not going to put that in a job description, but we're going to look for someone who's marketing—that person's challenging. Do you have those skills? Did you think along the way, I have to learn how to deal with difficult people? Or do you just think I need to use this engineering tool better than my peers and I'll stand out? By having a career plan, we're going to more proactively get towards our goal. Think about any project you've worked on. You've never said, okay, here's the goal. Let's go build a dam let's just see how it goes, right? You know, we'll see where we wind up. You start with a plan and we all know our plans never work out exactly as we planned. We adjust as we go. And the same is true of our career plan. Set your goal, create a path to get there, and adjust as you go along the way because we know reality isn't always what we planned.
0: In times like this, especially where there feels like There's so much uncertainty planning for a career. I feel like sometimes it's hard for me to plan what I'm going to do tomorrow, let alone a week out, let alone years in the future, if I'm kind of mapping out my career, right? So how does someone actually create a career plan? And how often should they go back and revisit that and revise it as things continue to progress and change?
1: Much like the engineering plans we create, you're not doing this on your own. You're getting input from your customer and from marketing and from product Same thing with your career. You don't have to do this in a vacuum. Get input from people at your company, from your manager, from HR, from your peers, from your friends, from other people in industry. Ask people, hey, tell me about your job. What do you like? What do you don't like? Someone whose job you might want down the road. What would I need to do to get there? What do you wish you knew when you were my age? So get input from lots of people. And then we create, okay, this is my long-term goal. So what are the steps to get there? What are the things that I need to do? I knew when I was a software developer, when I wanted to become a CTO, a chief technology officer, it wasn't simply about being the best programmer. I knew there were other skills I had to learn. I wasn't gonna learn them all tomorrow. So what was my plan for learning how to create a budget, for how to hire people, for how to deal with that difficult marketing person? And I created this plan, said so I'm gonna focus on this today and I'll do this tomorrow. But of course, I continue to revise my plan. At the very least, once a year, step back and say, let me look at the plan. Have I achieved the goals I set out for this year? Do I need to do more work on that? Do, have I done enough? Have I realized that the direction I was going in, I need to veer it a little because I realize I've changed what I'm interested in. So at least once a year, but certainly anytime you do a review with your manager or just anytime you're deciding to a new job or a new project. It's a logical time to reflect on where you are and where you want to go.
0: You gave a great transition in talking about leadership and management and your experiences there and kind of charting your course. But I want to talk a little bit more about this here. Like in your book, I believe you talk about the principle of influential leadership. So I'd love to know, in your opinion, what does influential leadership mean? And how is that different from other types of leadership that we might hear about?
1: Most people when I think about leadership, think that means you are a manager, director, VP, C-level. That is positional leadership. Really positional authority is a better term for it. Because we say, okay, you're up here and you can say, you're on the project, you're fired. Here's how we're doing it. And we say, yes, sir, because you're in charge. That is authority that comes from the role. That is different from true leadership. And when we look at some of the most inspiring leaders of the 20th century, people like Martin Luther King, they didn't have authority. They didn't say, I'm telling you this is how it is and you're all gonna listen to me. He instead went out and influenced. He said, this is a future state. This is the change we wanna have happen. I can't command it, I can't dictate it, but I can rally people to my side and together we can cause that change. All of us can do that. This is influential leadership. No matter where you are in your career, don't think I will be a leader once I am here or above. Everyone can lead from today onwards. And this is what companies want. To be a leader, it is about seeking change and saying, I see a change. A change could be, I see how we can do this project or how we can even improve the project or change what what we're aiming towards. And then you influence people by logical argument, by emotional appeal, by whatever technique you want to rally around and say, yes, I agree with you. Let's go do that. All of us can do this no matter where we are in our careers.
0: That's excellent. So you just made the case there that anyone can be a leader, whether or not you have the position or title. But that feels a little bit weird for some of us. How can people really practice leadership every day, whether or not they have that title? What can you tell our listeners about how to do that?
1: If you think about what are the qualities that you want in a good leader and you can sit down and do this on your own and think about, well, I want someone who does this and that. Okay, come with this list. Now imagine for a moment, you yourself are that leader and you're saying, okay, I have to pick people to be on my team. What are the skills and attributes you would want in your followers? Well, here's the secret. It is the same list. The skills you want in the first are the skills you want in the second. I should have told people pause for a second, think about it before I gave you the punchline there. If you think about it, it's the same attributes. So even if you say, I never wanna be that leader, I never wanna be up here, I just wanna follow what someone else says, developing these skills are going to make you a more effective follower, a more effective person on the team, and will continue to grow your career, even if you say, I wanna stick to individual contributor roles.
0: So you just suggested for everyone to create a list of the things that they would want in a good leader. So if you were to narrow it down, Mark, what would you say are the qualities of a great leader? We can come up with a
1: very long list and it will be somewhat situational. Certainly we want people who are good communicators. We want people who have clarity of thought. We want people with integrity, with competence, Might be domain competence, engineering competence, or general competence. We want people who listen. And you can just imagine this list can go on and on. But if you think of those skills that I named, and certainly add your own, and then think about would you want that in a follower? Absolutely. So come up with your own list, work on these skills, and ask yourself, hey, for these particular skills, how strong am I and what can I do to develop
0: them? One of those skills you talked about, communication, listening skills, we all know those are important in work and life, but looking at the other side of that, sometimes we can miscommunicate at work and and things. Can you provide an example of how we often miscommunicate things, even when we maybe think that we're communicating well?
1: This is a very broad topic, and we can come up with very concrete examples, but I'm going to give a concrete example, but why don't you think about this in the broader context? I was at a software company in the travel media space. We were building out our blogs. I had some contractors working on this. Now in travel, there's different types of travel. There's family, travel, adventure, travel, romance, travel, cruises, right? Different categories of travel on our blog. We're going to categorize the different blog posts. Maybe you just want to read cruise blog posts because you're interested in learning about cruises. So, okay, we're creating this blog and make sure you can tag each post cruises, romantic, whatever, there's also a category called all-inclusive. Now if you're in travel or if you've traveled enough, you might know all-inclusive, it's a type of resort. It means a resort where you pay one fee and all the food and the drinks and the activities are all included. It's an all-inclusive resort. The developers we had, they weren't familiar with the travel industry. So they created, okay, you've got like the cruise blog, you can tag it for cruise and you get the cruise posts and romance, you get the romance blog posts. Oh, if you pick the all inclusive tag, that means you're taking all the blog posts, it's all inclusive of the blog posts, right? And so we saw it and said, oh, nope, okay. Miscommunication there, it's really a specific type. This was a very minor misunderstanding. It literally took minutes to change and correct. But what it illustrates is that we had a mindset that this is what all-inclusive means to us in the travel industry, but to someone else, all-inclusive means something else. All of us come in with different mental models, different understanding, different domain experience, and we communicate with that as a background. Now, for most of us on a day-to-day basis, it doesn't make a difference, but in a few cases, and those are usually the important cases, subtle misunderstandings like that Not recognizing you have a different mental model or background than I have can lead to miscommunications. And especially as engineers, we build systems that as we go further, they're a lot harder to change. This was an easy change in the blog. We need to make sure that what I am explaining is what you are expecting. And most of us as engineers have probably experienced the customer says, this is what I want. And you say, okay, I'm gonna create it. And at the end of the project, they go, that's not what I thought we were getting because they had a different mental model in their head. And so the more we can do to make sure our models are as close as possible, the more effective we are in our communications and the more we reduce the chance of a miscommunication.
0: What a great example there, that a minor thing, but we can proliferate that out to all sorts of examples that we've had these miscommunications and people that we've worked with. So one of the things that, can sometimes proliferate that miscommunication is sometimes engineers often identify as quiet or introverted and so they don't even speak up. So there's lack of communication there. So how can someone who feels this way or identifies as introverted feel like they can be heard more at work and and communicate better in that way?
1: I'm an introvert myself, so I definitely relate to this. I actually prefer not introvert-extrovert. It's more people who are spontaneous in their communications versus those of us who are reflective, right? You're sitting in the meeting and someone says, okay, we need to come up with ideas for this. And some people, they just start talking because they like thinking out loud. They're throwing out ideas and others of us say, let me think about this for a minute. Let's sit in silence. I need to organize my thoughts. And unfortunately, our culture, at least in the U S has been one of call to action of let's just get ideas out there what i recommend certainly to anyone who leads a team on this call but even again we said leadership doesn't have to come from a position if you're anywhere at the table propose this new way of approaching things and saying, look we want to get ideas out but instead of here's a problem go and everyone start talking say we're going to start by doing some reflective time everyone sit around think about solutions either before the meeting you said hey everyone here's a question come in with some ideas for it, or at the start of the meeting say, everyone take five minutes and think on your own and come up with ideas. And then we're gonna come together and discuss the ideas and then we'll have that conversation. It allows the reflective people to take that time to reflect. The people who wanna speak, well, kind of speak into your writing, right? Just start typing it or writing down notes and get out of your system. One of the other advantages of doing this is that we get more independent thought because when the manager, the person running the meeting says, okay, everyone ideas and a few people start throwing ideas out, the rest of us, we hear it and it aligns our thinking down that path. So by having more independent thinking, we get a greater diversity of ideas and that helps all of us, whether we tend to be quieter or more outspoken.
0: Even introverts or people who are more reflective can still move through this in an effective way. Now, another thing that's sometimes hard for people, whether or not they're introverted or extroverted or whatnot, is the principle of networking. But we know it's critical. We hear a lot about it when it comes to career growth and connecting with people and whatnot. So in your opinion, Mark, what's really the key to networking and doing that effectively?
1: Networking is one of my favorite skills on the list because every one of us has heard, oh, it's so important for you to network. This is really critical. And yet, how many of us have ever been taught anything about networking? Nowhere has someone said, oh, let me teach you how to do something so important. So it's a skill we need to learn. Now, our stereotype of networking, what we'd see if Hollywood was, was trying to show this, is someone schmoozing in some big crowded room and going, hi, hey, nice to meet you. Let me get your card. Okay, here's my card. Okay, great. Yeah, I a connection. That's not networking. Networking is about relationship building. If you've ever had a friend, you know how to network. It's not about collecting cards. It's building that relationship and that takes time. It's also something that doesn't always happen in a crowded room. Don't feel you're going to a conference. Oh, you have to meet lots of people. You can build those relationships one-on-one. It's having coffee with someone. It's having a zoom call. That's how you build these relationships. So don't feel overwhelmed that you have to go to large, crowded events, meet people take an interest in them, get to know them, and build that relationship over time.
0: How do they do that originally? Like, we recognize that the shift of networking is really just about relationships. So how do they intentionally build that network? And how do they know who should even be in their network as they're trying to figure out who to reach out to or connect with?
1: A common mistake people make is they think they should just focus within their discipline. They say, okay, I'm a civil engineer. I should meet other civil engineers. Maybe I'll meet some mechanical engineers. We kind of deal with those folks from time to time. But really, why would I need to meet clergy? Why would I need to meet accountants? Well, that's not what I do. And it's because people think of their network to a first order, to, okay, who can directly help me? But of course, our network is not just the people we know, it's the people they know. It's at larger extension. And you never know who someone may know, either professionally or you never know this person might be married to someone whose second cousin is actually helpful. And you can't know that ahead of time. It's important to build out diversity in our networks. You probably know lots of other engineers because that's what you studied in school. That's the field you've worked in. Those are the conferences you go to. Meeting yet another engineer, sure it's helpful, everyone's helpful, but they're probably not adding a lot of diversity to your network. If you go and meet some salespeople and some accountants and some marketing people and jugglers, right? You meet all these different people from different disciplines. They're gonna bring a lot more diversity because that juggler probably knows a whole bunch of other really interesting performers you otherwise never came across. And most of those performers probably don't know a lot of engineers, not the way you do. So we want to get that diversity into our network. When you go out, go to engineering events, go to conferences and meet people, but also recognize you can meet people anywhere. For me, ballroom dancing was great. I was a competitive ballroom dancer in my 20s. And the great thing is, there are not only other engineers ballroom dancing, but all these other people. And so I got a lot of diversity by having this hobby. So look at your hobbies, Look at maybe places of worship. I don't sit there in church and start handing out business cards, but just go and meet people.
0: As we continue to grow our network, and when you talked about the importance there of really building relationships, it's important that we feel like we have something to offer. In a good relationship, there's a give and take, and, and everyone's really contributing to that to make it an effective relationship. But a lot of people, especially like students or junior employees, feel like When they're looking at someone who's ahead of them in their career they may not feel like they have something to offer but everyone does but can you explain how everyone can really bring something to the table and and offer in any potential relationship
1: this is a very common question certainly all my students feel what am i going to offer junior people as well feel yeah i don't have much you do have a lot to offer so remember earlier i said part of what we offer is our networks themselves. It's not just what you have. Your knowledge and experience it's also who you're connected to. If you're a student, you think, I don't know, I know other students, well, that can't be valuable. But in fact, they are. Now, we forget how valuable these other students are because we're literally surrounded by them. We take them for granted. But to someone who's not on campus, to a company that tries to hire engineers that isn't right next to campus, it doesn't have a lot of engineers from that university at their company, you have access and connection to engineers they don't. They say, yes, you can introduce us to other students for our internship program, for people who are hiring out of school. You have much better access than we do and that is valuable. I have been teaching students for 20 years. And I can tell you one time, it was in the fall, we were doing a a debrief on students uh, on their summer jobs. And a student came up to me he said, he knew I had mentioned I had been doing consulting. I gave a little background. He said, boy, we really could have used someone like you at at the company I was at this summer. Okay, that's interesting. Tell me more, please. And so he told me about what they did. Said, listen, would you feel comfortable introducing me to the CEO of the company? Maybe I can help because you're telling me there are problems and these are problems we just talked about I can fix. He said, sure. He introduced me to the CEO and I got a six month contract. This was a sophomore. Now, he had no power to hire me, but he had the power to make the introduction. All of us know people. All of us have networks that are valuable to someone. So do not discount yourself. Do not say other people know more because no one knows the exact same amount of people that you do, and that is
0: valuable. That's awesome, Mark, and helps us all recognize that we have value to give in every situation, even if we feel a little bit inadequate in some circumstances. So at this point, you've delivered a lot of great insights and advice. We're going to transition to the Take Action Today segment of the show, where I'm going to ask Mark about one key takeaway that we can take from this episode. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show. I've been talking with Mark Hirschberg. And Mark, you've given us a lot of insights and advice, but can you please share with us one key way that our listeners can take away to really build some of these skills and any other skill that they have from some of the things you've been talking about today?
1: We have traditionally learned what we know through a lecture-based method, right? It's a professor teaching us things and we copy down notes, We read a book, we listen to a podcast. It is a unidirectional channel. And that's great when you have to learn some chemical formula. You have to learn the algorithm for doing something. But this doesn't work for the skills that we're talking about, leadership, communications, negotiation. There is no simple algorithm. There is no formula for how to be a leader. It is a complex situation. So the best way to learn this, the way we teach this at MIT, the way business schools have taught this for decades, is through peer learning groups. What you wanna do is create a group. You can create it using colleagues at your company. You can create it using friends that you might know outside your company by creating a meetup group. But you create this group of people and you say, let's explore a topic. Let's explore leadership or even one aspect of leadership. We're gonna all look at the same content. Now that might be an article, a podcast episode, or maybe a video or a book, and then you all independently, read it or listen to it, and then come together and discuss it as a group and get those diverse opinions. Get to see how other people look at it. And that will help round out your own understanding and make you more effective. This is the best way to learn these types of skills.
0: We want to thank you once again, Mark. You've shared a lot of great stuff. How can our listeners connect with you or look up your book or other resources that you might want to point them to? How can they go find you?
1: You can go to my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com. From there, you can contact me or follow me on social media. You can learn more about the book as well as where to buy it. You can also download the free app on Android and iPhone. And that takes a lot of tips from the book. And it's basically going to pop them up on your phone once a day just to remind you. I know when I read books like this, I forget a month later. So this just pops it up or if you're about to go into an interview or a negotiation, you can open it up and swipe through all the tips to get that kind of crash refresher course. There's a resources page that has links to other resources, lists of books that I referenced in mine, and even downloads, like how to create this peer group learning within your own organization. So you can download that and apply that today.
0: That's awesome stuff. Thanks so much again, Mark. Really enjoyed having you on the show and wishing nothing but the best as you continue forward and sharing this message with others. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and questions. Go to www.engineeringmanagementinstitute.org, where you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. And don't forget to check out our upcoming live webinar for this month at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Additionally, for those engineers struggling with unemployment or uncertain about how to make a career transition, I have created some free training resources with an opportunity to join a more intensive program called the Engineering Career Accelerator. You can find more information at engineeringcareeraccelerator.com. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering endeavors. The strategies that you heard in this episode will be of no use to you, unless you take action and start to implement them in your career immediately. To help you do that, we have designed a system that you can use at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. It combines live monthly webinars with PDHs plus a private forum giving you access to coaches and premium content focused on helping you build your management and leadership skills. Join us for our next live webinar at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org and will help you engineer your own success.